Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter. I'm a transformation coach dedicated to inspiring women and the men who support them to rise up in life, love, and leadership. Well, do you ever struggle with feelings like you're not enough? Where does that feeling come from? I mean, how can we work through those negative thoughts? What is actually holding you back? These are just some of the questions that I discussed with Lori Beth Aldridge on a recent episode of her podcast called Elevating Motherhood. How I end up on a podcast called Elevating Motherhood, I have no idea, but I appear on quite a few podcasts as a guest, and I'd like to start to bring you some of those conversations from time to time. And this is the first one I wanted to share. Lori Beth is an amazing woman. She's the founder of a nationwide movement called Yaya Mama, and she has appeared on the Inspiration Rising podcast on episode 109 when we discussed opting out of the cultural norms of parenting. Now, just a heads up, what you're about to listen to is her episode in its entirety. It's the Elevating Motherhood intro, a couple of promotions, and then our conversation. I think you will be very intrigued by what we discuss. Now, by the way, if you are feeling stuck in life, not enough, wanting more, ready to find that new job, new man, new business, I want you to know that I can help you embrace your true identity so you'll know exactly who you are, clarify your life's vision so that you'll have direction and purpose in life, and develop a powerful, workable plan so that you'll actually start reaching your goals. If you want to find out if you're a good fit for the Launch Your Life Coaching Program, I want to invite you to schedule a free 20-minute clarity call with me at insporising.com slash call. That's insporising.com slash call. Pick a day and time that works for you. We'll jump on the phone. I'll listen to what's going on in your life, provide you with some insights based on my experience and intuition, and we'll see if the coaching program is a good fit for you. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Lori Beth Aldridge on her podcast called Elevating Motherhood. Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. to Primally Pure for supporting today's episode. Primally Pure is one of my favorite companies. They excel at creating safe, natural skincare products made with quality ingredients. Primally Pure has become my go-to brand for clean, non-toxic face cleansers, creams, and serums. My skin is noticeably healthier since using their products. They're also the makers of my favorite all-natural deodorant that's also effective. The Blue Tansy scent is my favorite. 
Primally Pure has generously offered a discount code for Elevating Motherhood listeners. Be sure to use the code at checkout. It's LoriBeth10, L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-1-0 for 10% off your first order. For my personal review of their products and more information, head over to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash Primally Pure. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash Primally Pure. Today's episode is also supported by Beautiful and Simple, an online boutique I put together that's filled with products that remind us to slow down, practice self-care, and focus on the meaningful parts of our day, the beautiful and simple ones. My favorite mug is the one that says, you cannot pour from an empty cup. It's my daily reminder to take care of myself so that I can better show up and take care of my family. Go check out the collection of mugs, shirts, and bags currently available at beautifulandsimple.com. That's beautifulandsimple.com. Do you ever struggle with feeling like you're not enough? You know, where does that feeling come from? And how can we work through those negative feelings? Who or what can support us on our very personal and individual journeys toward believing, truly believing we are enough? What's holding us back? I mean, there are so many questions. Where and who do we get our inspiration from? Should women only listen to women? Mothers only listen to mothers? As women, can we get our inspiration from men? I think the answer is yes. And that's exactly why I have invited David Trotter to be here with us today to talk about how we can show up find our own answers, believe in our enoughness, and be empowered to rise. David Trotter is a transformation coach and host of Inspiration Rising, a podcast dedicated to inspiring women and the men who support them to rise up in life, love, and leadership. Through his Launch Your Life coaching program, he helps women and men overcome difficult life transitions like divorce, emptiness syndrome, job dissatisfaction, things like that. And he also helps them develop a workable plan to make lasting changes. He's also the author of Empowered to Rise, the secret to embracing your true identity, uncovering your superpowers and bringing your inspiration to the world, which I have read and love and totally recommend. For over 25 years, David has helped people get unstuck clarify their goals, and take their lives to the next level through his leadership, speaking, writing, and filmmaking. David and his wife, Laura, have been married for 25 years and live together in California. Today, I asked David to share a bit about his new book, Empowered to Rise, specifically more about a chapter that moved me, chapter two, which is called I Am Enough. Gosh, I mean, as mom's Do you find yourself struggling with this concept? I know I do from time to time, but I also know that I can shift that feeling of not enoughness and gain more confidence with time, intention, and practice. So David is here with us to walk us through that growth and guide us toward the belief that we truly are enough 
just as we are. He is a true champion of women, but I'll let him tell you a little bit more about what that means. Without further ado, let's welcome David to the show. Aloha, David. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hi, Lori Beth. Thanks for so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's nice to talk with you again. I've enjoyed our chats recently. I know this is a third time in like a couple of weeks. What the heck? I know. I feel like <laughs> we're awesome. We may be getting close to being friends. This might be. Yeah, you know. well, we we have a lot to talk about. And I think we have a lot of um, similar missions and and messages for, for moms to hear. And so that's why I'm so excited that you're on the show. But I will mention that when I told a few friends that you were going to come on the show and that you were a man and that your podcast Inspiration Rising is for women, I had this these handful of reactions from friends and most of them revolved around the question of why is a man speaking to a woman, you know, followed by thoughts of what does he have to offer and haven't we been listening to men long enough and mm. wouldn't it be better for women to speak to women and you know, as a person who's married to a man and someone who respects my father, but then also sees and hears and understands what they're talking about too, I wrestled with a lot of these notions that and where they were coming from. And unfortunately, I think that the narrative of men and women, you know, the masculine and feminine dynamics in our world just haven't felt really balanced mm -hmm. from where women sit. And maybe you could comment, you know, about the men part of that too. But Anyway, the the women that I talked with, they bristled when I talked about this and when they when I tried to explain to them that you champion women, mm -hmm. they were caught off guard at first. I mean, I think a lot of women would be too because it's just not the usual of what we see or hear or understand. So, I'd actually love for listeners to hear you explain what you do and why you do it because I know that once you explained it to me in one of our first meetings, it was really crystal clear and honestly refreshing. And so much of your why stems from who you are. So I'm going to ask you the biggest intro question ever. Um, can you please tell us more about who you are, share your journey, and how it led you to doing what you do and writing your amazing book? Because I think that will answer the first question a lot of my friends had of why is a man speaking to a woman? That is a big question, Lori Beth. I love <laughs> it. It is. <laughs> Well, you know, I think the why does stem back to just part of my, obviously, it's my whole life journey, because we've been impacted by the things that we've experienced in our life, and that drives us to do what we do um, at this point in time. But um, to take it a step forward, you know, I was actually a pastor for over a decade. And that's what, um, since the time I was 18, I sensed that I was kind of called to do. And um, about 12 years ago, after um, really having a, a pretty severe burnout experience due to my own workaholism, um, I ended up wanting to change directions, you know, in life. And it's not that I still didn't want to help people, but I found that that context of a local Christian church um, was not healthy for me. And that had less to do about the church and more to do about me personally. And so um, uh, my wife and I had gone through some marital challenges during that time. And we took, um, and it was about six months of really doing a lot of intense therapy to um, reconnect in, in, a, in a healthy way. And so as of now, we've been married almost 26 years. So that's, that's fun to celebrate. But Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and that's quite a feat, I think, in our culture you know, today <laughs> to be married that long. Um, 
and uh, we we love each other uh, dearly. But 12 years ago, I transitioned out of full-time ministry, and I started more entrepreneurial endeavors. I, I started a marketing business, a plush toy manufacturing business. I fell into um, doing documentary films just out of my heart to make a difference in the world. I actually have uh, produced and directed four feature length. Um, they've all won awards. Um uh, feature films and three are documentaries on social justice issues. One is a scripted feature film and I've written a number of books, helped people throughout that process. But in December, 2018, um, after I had wrapped up kind of all the post-production of my latest film, I said to my wife, I'm not sure I want to keep doing films one because they're really, really hard to get funding for on an independent level Two. I haven't paid myself a dime of any of the films that I've done. They've all been out of passion projects. And um, three, um, they just take so long. You know, I'm only impacting the world every one to two years with a film. I'd really rather be helping the world on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. So I said, I'd like to start a podcast and do some coaching um, like I've done in the past, but do it on a more of a formal basis. And she said, well, who would the podcast be for? And I said, well, yeah, it's got to be for, you know, an audience. As you know, as a podcaster, it can't be for everybody. Otherwise, it's for nobody. So right. um, we basically looked at each other and said, who is the group of people that have impact, have been impacted or drawn to my work the most over the last 25 years? And we both came to the conclusion that that was primarily women. And pretty much women kind of 30 to 50 to 60 years old, a kind of more middle age. And so I said, man, would that, that would be weird to start a podcast that was more geared toward women. I said, would you be okay with that? She said, yeah, go for it. That's, that's who you connect with. That's who connects with you. You know, that's, that's great. And so um, we started Inspiration Rising January 2019. I felt really awkward about it, Lori Beth, because mm-hmm. of the reasons why. Like, I'm not trying to tell people what to do. I'm just creating an atmosphere to highlight Um, amazing female entrepreneurs and leaders and coaches. And with the coaching itself, um, you know, I've got a group coaching program called Launch Your Life where I help people get unstuck, clarify their goals, take their life to the next level. And, you know, you have to market it towards someone. You have to kind of put the message out there in a way that resonates with a particular audience. And so I, I have men and women that are a part of those groups, but it is predominantly uh, women. And so that's kind of the backstory, but the heart behind it, you know, I would in er, a lot of the early podcast interviews afterwards, I would connect with the um, interviewee and I would tell her what I was doing to try to, you know, kind of get feedback or whatever. And I had one woman finally just say, David, quit talking about this. Like, if this is what you want to do, like, you know why you want to do it, do it. And the people who get it will get it. And the people who don't, you know, won't. And so she was basically told me, quit apologizing about it, you know, is what she was saying. And since that moment, it has freed me up a bit. You know, I'm sensitive to it. But at the same time, I just know that I feel like I'm at my highest self, my best self when I'm working with um, or highlighting the work of women. And um, even now I, I still have marketing clients, both of those, um, people that I report to or work with, you know, as the client are both women. Um, I've worked on church staffs with women. Um, you know, the best, my, really my best friend outside of my wife is a woman. Um, and it, there's no awkward relationship there. My wife and I are, 
Um, she's fine with that. It's very um, healthy friendship. It's all good. Um, so yeah, it's, it is interesting. It is different. And I recognize that people can be challenged by that. And I totally am sensitive to that um, and okay with that. And at the same time, I, you know, I can't make up for what culture has done. And I feel like I want to just be myself. And this is a, one of the ways that I can help the world is by doing what I'm doing. I love that. <laughs> I really do. And after you had explained that and and so much more in our other conversations, and then I also have the lens of I've read your book, Empowered to Rise. And so I can see exactly what you're talking about, because this book speaks to me as a woman, for sure. Um, and like you said, we all kind of bring our experiences to the table and share them. And you have had such a wide variety of experiences that you bring a lot of value to the table. And that value is genderless in my eyes. And after talking with you and after reading your book and after listening to your podcast, the refreshment came in when you were walking the walk. You were saying, I'm not telling people what to do. I'm not telling women how to think. Mm -hmm. I am championing them. Absolutely. And when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, what does that even look like? I understand the concept. I want more of it, but it almost seemed new. And, and like you said, when and you have sections about it in your book too, about, you know, your true identity and walking your true path and it, and just no matter what, even if it's a little bit awkward, mm -hmm. even if you have that outside judgment, all of that, it is really freeing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm moving into a different level of that with my, in my own life and with my own podcast, but it feels like a slow, um, awakening, if you will, to just like take those steps forward on that true path. Because in, for you, it's the road less taken. It's, you know, we have such an imbalance of the masculine and the feminine in, in our society that when a man steps up and models how men can show up in the lives of women in a really positive way, it, it's it almost feels unsettling because mm. it's not quite as normal, I think, as it should be. Mm -hmm. And I also think that, you know, it's genderless too. So it's so hard. This word is so hard for me to say. Championing <laughs> um, <laughs> is something that is genderless. And I thought, my gosh, I don't even think women are all the time genuinely championing each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what a world we would have if there was more of that, you know, and and also what a world if we were all embracing our true identity more and bringing our genuine inspiration to the world. So mm -hmm. I see you doing that. And um, man, I imagine that every once in a while it feels like swimming upstream, but I'm, I'm so glad you do anyway. Well, you know, I don't even think of it um, like, oh, I'm doing this heroic thing or something. I don't, I just, I just go, this is what feels good to me. This is what feels comfortable. This is what feels um like my highest self to do. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I know it sounds, it, it sounds like I'm coming kind of almost against what you're saying. And I don't mean it that way, but I, I don't set out the day and go, I'm going to champion women. Like I just go, Oh, this is the path that I've chosen. And I love championing women as a whole. I can think about that holistically. Um, once I've set that trajectory, I go, oh, this is fun. I get to talk to Lori Beth today. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> excited to chat with her and connect with her. Um, and you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. It just like some people have even said to me, oh, you could be a voice of men talking about the Me Too movement or, you know, this, that or the other. Um, and I'm like, 
yeah, I guess that's not really my passion to talk about those issues. Um, so I don't, that would feel inauthentic for me to go down that path. Mm -hmm. Um, it just feels more authentic for me to go, um, man, have you guys heard about Lori Beth? You've got to like check out her podcast and check out her community. And, and she's doing some amazing things. Like that's what feels authentic to me. Um, and I know like, and in the process, even the coaching, I'm not telling anybody of something to do. Like I'm sharing wisdom or experiences that I have had. And even in writing the book, Empowered to Rise, I did, I was very mindful of the stories that I told that I was thinking as much as possible about, would this be helpful to women? You know, like, and the stories are about my life and I'm a man. So, um, but you know, is it, is it applicable? That's what I'm thinking the whole time as a writer. Um, but I guess I'm just not trying to tell anybody what to do. I'm trying to help people. And if my wisdom resonates, um, if my thoughts, my strategies, my stories resonate, awesome. If they don't, I mean, there's plenty of people to listen to and be inspired by and, you know, receive their help. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to do what feels natural and um, fun for me, you know? Yeah, I, I get it. When I, I know, I feel the same way about like, oh, I'm going to talk with David this morning. Hooray! Um, and we're just putting out resources. I feel and the podcast is called Elevating Motherhood, but I definitely, and I set out to elevate for sure, but I do that through feeling resourced, feeling heard, being he feeling held, feeling understood, all of that. And it is much more organic and simple. Like you said, you just show up and live that truth, live that value. And it just comes out really organically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and something about what you're talking about reminded me of a post I saw by January Harshi um, in the last couple of days in regards to the quarantine stuff. Promise we're not going to talk about it too much. Okay. But she had said something along the lines of, you know, you have people telling you that you have to do this one thing, that you have to stay inside no matter what, blah, blah, blah. Um, you have people telling you that you should do nothing during this time. You have people telling you you should do all the extra things during this time. And she said, you know what? I'm just going to ask myself what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's so odd to live in a culture that we're doing, asking yourself what it is you want to do or what feels true to you is, and then doing it is considered subversive. It's considered to be really alternative. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, anybody who has a message to share it is most easily packaged as a process, you know, and mm -hmm. even the process of, of asking yourself what you want to do, I can package that as a process, you know, uh, like you could, you can package that. Um, so it's just a way of understanding things. And um, if I think I like my system, my process, I'm going to come off as it's the best one, right? Because I mean, it's the one that I've chosen. It's the one that has helped me. I want to share it with you. Um, mm -hmm. But as a as a person, you know, we all have to ask ourselves, does this resonate with me? Is this helpful? Um, am I taking this on just because I feel guilty about the way that I'm spending my time during all of this? Um, I love that. Ask, what do you what do you sense you need to do during this time? And then if you can pull it off yourself, great. If you feel like you need extra encouragement, there are lots of resources out there to be able to draw upon. Mm hmm. I definitely am reading a lot because that's what I want to be doing. And it makes me feel resourced and it makes me feel supported, too. And as much as I think it's me getting myself and my family through this, I also, oh, without a shadow of a doubt, I have 
curated a list of authors who are speaking into my life right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, you know what? Chapter two of your book um, really struck a chord with me. Uh, It's called I Am Enough. Mm -hmm. And full confession, I may have cried Mm. (laughs) during part of it. And I know it's a good book when I have an emotional reaction, I allow it to happen. And also when I read part of it out loud to someone, where I stop reading to myself and walk over to someone and say, I want to read this out loud to you. And I want to know what you think, Mm. which is exactly what happened with my husband and I. Um, But in this chapter, you encourage us to embrace the fact that we are truly whole and complete just as we are, which is a message that I resonate with and believe wholeheartedly. But I also know um, being a mom and talking with other moms that many of us don't feel this way on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. yet. Right. Yet. I will add that caveat. You know, feelings of being enough or am I doing enough haunt moms almost every moment of the day. And we constantly question ourselves. We push ourselves beyond with many of the overs that you mentioned in that chapter, Mm -hmm. overworking, overeating, over drinking, over shopping, over exercising, over Mm -hmm. controlling, and all in an effort to feel like we are finally enough, Mm -hmm. that there is this hole inside of us. So I would love for you to help us understand and maybe even reframe these feelings of enough or not enough. Mm -hmm. Well, people should know that the book was written as an outgrowth of something that I call the Inspiration Rising Manifesto. When um, last year, uh, I felt like that our community, the community that I'm trying to build around this kind of concept of Inspiration Rising is uh, I wanted to write something that would help people know this is what I want us to embody. This is what I'm trying to embody. And so do you mind if I read that real quick? Yeah, is go that ahead. Okay? Totally. Um, it's, it's real short, um, but it's uh, the backbone of the book. It says, my life has been inspired from the moment of conception. I am whole and complete just as I am. I don't have to do or be anything else to be loved. This is my true identity. Embracing my inspiredness, I am discovering my unique way to bring inspiration to the world. My life story, wiring, and strengths are my superpowers, and I'm learning to use them with others for the sake of others. I have access to all the resources I need to live out my inspiration, and I will be strong and courageous in the face of any challenge. My inspiration is rising. And the thank you. The the book, the nine chapters are broken out to basically just break down that. A manifesto to explain it and elaborate on it more. And as you said, chapter two is I am enough. This whole message, the manifesto, the book, it's for me. You know, we know that I'm writing something that I need, you know, that I have been giving birth to in my life for my entire life. It's not just for others. That's why anybody writes something is because they need it. Um, and so Absolutely. I need to be reminded that I am enough. You know, it is so easy to feel like I am not enough. Um, I feel like there are two main, I call them lies. Some people call them false beliefs that I have wrestled with my entire life. One, that I'm not enough. And two, that people don't like me or want to be with me. And so I have um, had to be replacing those lies with the truth of that I am enough, that I am whole and complete just as I am. I don't have to do anything or be anything else to be loved or enough. That is the truth. Um, where that truth comes for me um, is that I don't pull that out of thin air. It comes from the assumption that we have been created by the divine, 
You may call mm-hmm. that God, universe, goddess, Jesus, whatever it might be. Um, my faith background is Christian, um, but I assume that I've been created by the divine. And because I was created by the divine, there is what I call inside of us our divine imprint, that the hand of the divine is all on us, the fingerprints of God. And that um, that means that I am unique and different from anything else in the world, meaning I love animals. I mean, I love animals. We have an amazing dog, but that um, animal does not have, in my opinion, um, a soul or a divine imprint or a will, the ability to create things like human beings. There's something distinct about us. There's something where we have inherent value. And so if I feel like I'm not enough, Um, I will constantly be trying to fill a black hole through whatever means it might be. Might be the overs, might be relationships, might be, in my case, um, working, um, overworking, um, to fill that in. And the ultimate result is disconnection from ourselves, disconnection from the divine, disconnection from one another. Versus if we embrace that we have been created by the divine, And that there's nothing else we need to do, that we are already loved, we are already whole, then there's this sense of interior rest and peace that we all need. For me, um, 12 years ago, coming out of that burnout experience, I chose my number one value in life. I would say my number one value prior to that in life had been productivity, efficiency or effectiveness. And that's a strong passion for me just because a part of it flows out of my own, you know, personality wiring. But my number one value right now and has been for the last 12 years is peace. I chose peace as my number one value above, above everything else. Because if I'm not at peace personally, then my relationship with my wife is going to be fragmented because I'm going to be buzzing. Um, and my relationship with the divine is not going to feel, um, rested or settled. My relationship with my kids is going to be a disaster if I'm not at peace. So, um, that's what I have chosen to cultivate. For me, that peace comes from, uh, continuing to embrace every day that I'm enough. I'm enough. And that cultivates peace inside of me. The story, one of the stories that I tell in the book that's connected to this concept is um, a story about my grandfather. And he has since passed, unfortunately. But he, after 30 years uh, in the military, he um, retired and he started a wood shop out of his garage. And he started doing wood making, wood woodworking, I should say. And um, he made the most exquisite, amazing, huge like pieces of furniture. I'm looking to my right here, and there's a big full-size oak roll-top desk that he made. Um, I'm looking in front of me at a big oak bookcase, a bread box, uh, a actually a, a cradle that my kids, you know, they're in momentarily, but it looks, you know, it looks cool. <laughs> um, he made all of these things, and, you know, it's in the 1980s oak style, so it's not necessarily, you know, super in style anymore. That's okay. You know, he... This is what he made, and it's beautiful. And he never sold any of the, uh, these items. He only created them for kids and grandkids. And um, when he got done with the item, at the conclusion, he, he looked for a space that wasn't kind of out in the open. It was kind of in the back or the bottom. And he took out his um, a wood-burning device, and he stamped in it, handcrafted by E.B. Trotter. 
handcrafted by E.B. Trotter. And so if you turn it over, you can see that. And it was his way of saying, this is my imprint. I approve of this. It's done. It's whole. It's complete. There's nothing else that needs to be done on this. And I want people to know if they ever see this years, hundreds of years down the road, that my hand crafted this. My fingerprints are all over this, handcrafted by B. Trotter. And so for me, it's a powerful metaphor to go, I have within me, you may not be able to see it, Lori Beth, but it's deep inside me, handcrafted by the divine. I'm whole, I'm complete. I don't need to do or be anything else. Um, and and it, this is a gift, right, to me. The handcrafting is a gift to me. It's a gift to the world. I can see it that way, not as an ego-based gift, but just as a, a gift of service because I've been uh, handcrafted in that way. And the more I embrace that and go, the divine doesn't make junk. The divine doesn't make, uh, uh, you know, mistakes. I'm okay. I'm all right. And then I can be at peace. That doesn't mean I don't want to do things and produce things, but now it's flowing out of a place of wholeness and mm-hmm. a place of peace. And the result then doesn't feel like striving. It then feels like a gift to the world. When I feel like I'm striving, when I feel like I'm trying to build something, create something, then I knew I know I'm not operating out of that place of wholeness. I'm now operating out of a place of tr- not enoughness, and I'm trying to fill that black hole of not enoughness. I love that for so many reasons. Um, your story about your grandpa, I have a woodworking grandpa who also burns his name into stuff too. And so I could just smell my grandpa's workshop yes. when you were describing that and all of that. And it was really sweet. And I love the handcraftedness element of it. I know this is taking your message all over the place, but I loved so many things about it that I can't ignore that part too, of just the time and the care and intention that goes into handcrafting Mm. things that are meant for people that we love. And also just bringing in a spiritual element to creation in general, uh, us creating things as humans and just not ignoring the, the spiritual and the, in the simple too. I really appreciate. And then I was thinking about your original top value of progress and then your new value of peace, because I think, I'm sure you've discovered this too, that when you have progress, um, the peace can't come in. But when you put peace first, there is actually room for peace and progress. Mm -hmm. But if you flip-flop them, you couldn't have one without with the other. But if you put peace first, you could actually have both because it sounds like a lot of your work and a lot of your true work comes from that sense of peace. But if we were just to flip the, those two around, yeah. um, you can't have one and the other. That's good. That's very powerful. Yeah, that is so good. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, sure. Um, Let's talk more about these holes that we're trying to fill with enoughness. This is the part in the book that really got me because it, you provide us with three places of where these holes and these feelings of not enoughness kind of come up in our lives, you know, from our home of origin, from the playground and the culture at large. And every single word I read in this section was like, true, true, true. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about these um, places where holes can potentially show up for us in the past and in the present. Right. Well, I think a lot of people are familiar with the idea that our home of origin or our family's home is where a lot of that not enoughness comes from. You know, whether 
we've been uh, grown up in an abusive situation where we felt like not enough, or maybe um, in my case, I grew up in a real loving environment, but there was a strong, like a high bar of performance. At least mm-hmm. I felt like there was. And so um, when I wouldn't meet that bar, then it felt like I was not enough. And, you know, part of that's my dad's desire for me to achieve and grow and, you know, beyond where he was pushed to go. And so I see that as a positive um, desire. Um, there was positive intention there. Um, but for me, you know, it, it comes out in um, coming home with a B and being asked, you know, you know, why is it a B? What could it be an A? You know, what did you not do? You know, or even an A minus and then the laughingly, you know, say, well, why is it an A or a, a, even an A? And it's like, well, wasn't there extra credit? You know, and some of those things can come off as jokes. But at the same time, it starts to feed into this feeling of, geez, no matter what I do, it's not going to be, you know, enough. Um, so I think a lot of us relate to some sort of way of not enoughness in our home of origin. If it's not productivity, in your case, it could be the way that you look, the way that you acted, your behavior, your um, words, whatever it might be. The second one is um, what I call the playground. And um, I think kids still have playgrounds. Most kids, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, there's a recess, you know, at public school at least. Or if it's not, if you're homeschooling, you still go to the park or something. And the challenge of at the playground is that, man, there can be so much negativity of you're not climb, climbing high enough. Your shirt's not cool enough. You don't, you know, whatever it is. I mean, man, kids can just come up with the most gnarly things to pick on each other about But that picking on doesn't come out of nowhere. Like they've learned that. Obviously, they can learn that from other kids, but it also comes from our parents, coaches, or teachers who are somehow communicating a sense of not enoughness. And as a kid, if you feel like you're not enough, well, you know, the easiest thing to do is to pick on the externals of another kid. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have the, the wherewithal to think about something deeper than that. It's just like, well, your eyes look stupid. It's like, Okay, thanks, um, I guess. So the cycle of putting other people down um, by uh, and in some way trying to lift ourselves up. That's why we put other people down. It's not just to put Mm -hmm. them down. It's to make me feel better. I'm feeling insecure. That's why. Oh, my gosh. Lori, Beth, how many times have I had that conversation with my kids? Over the course, they're 20 and 17 now, and they've got it now. But elementary school, why are they picking on me? Because they feel less than, than, you know, than you. Like in some way, they're feeling like down and they're trying to lift themselves up. Maybe they've got a tough home life, you know, all of that. That cycle of parent, coach, teacher feeling less than, passing that on to the kid, it just becomes a nasty cycle that plays out on the playground. And then the third area is the culture at large. Man, that's what, um, you know, so much of sales is about. You're not mm-hmm. enough unless you have this or you're, you know, oh my goodness. I, uh, how about, how about stroller envy? Anybody have stroller envy? Oh my gosh, <laughs> that right? is real. You have one of those collapsible, like cheap little strollers, like an umbrella stroller. Oh my goodness. You know, what do you get that thing for? You know, don't you have the kind that's like swirling up top that has the mobile and then it's electric and it's like made by Tesla. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a thing, right? Uh, uh, yeah. We can have envy about anything and somehow I'm not good enough. I'm not helping my child uh, be prepared for life enough if I don't buy this thing or if I don't use this system or if I don't treat them in a certain way. 
you know, that is so hard. And a lot of that comes from a desire to sell something um, to us. So I think it's just being aware of if I feel like I'm not enough in some area, where did that come from? Is there a way to look back on that and have an increased awareness of where it comes from? And then um, as I have that awareness, go, all right, let me slow down my thinking. Because so many times we're thinking so fast that that I try to help my coaching clients just slow down your thinking and go, like, let's just say you just got out of the car at the park and all of a sudden you had a negative feeling, you felt down or something. Okay, rather than just continuing on, can you slow down your thinking in that moment and go, why do I feel down? Maybe you can't do it right in the moment. Maybe it's reflecting later on journaling. Hmm, okay, I felt down because, oh, I looked at that other woman and I saw how she had that or was doing that or whatever it might be. Oh, interesting. Okay, right. And just slowing down our thinking and processing why we're feeling down. Because usually there's a lie that we're believing about ourselves, others, or the world at large when we're feeling down. And we need to address that, replace it with the truth, and see how we can find healing in that area of our life. I love that. Thank you. And I super appreciate that you bring up advertising in the culture at large part of this, um, because I kind of wonder, you know, when did it become something sales, you know, not saying there's anything wrong with it. I know lots of people in sales, but when did it become something that just is presented and we ignore an entire field where that's actually studied by people with the end goal of like, how do we get people to consume more? Right. And we're being sold too. But I think that we can, like you said, take a step back, pause and say, what are they trying to sell me? And how are they trying to sell me? And a lot of times they're creating holes that need to be filled. Yes. Like you said, and and I think the pause and the reflection are key too, because another thing I believe is that our initial reaction is never the whole story. It's just our initial reaction. Mm -hmm. So if you have that feeling of, man, I'm a little bit envious or I'm feeling like not enough, that's not the whole story, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like that's the message that our culture at large and the motherhood culture especially tells us is that in social media culture, you have this knee jerk reaction and that's it. That's your stance on it. Well, no, it's actually just your initial reaction. And if you're having some sort of emotion about it, especially a negative one, that, that is actually a call to pause and Mm -hmm. say, Hmm, I wonder where this, this feeling is coming from. And the mommy culture too, the constant question that seems to be answered is like, what's cool? What are the cool moms doing? Mm. You know, from what we use and what we buy and what's trendy to how we talk or think, you know, sarcasm is cool Mm -hmm. in the mommy culture, but it doesn't resonate with a lot of us, you know, shaming our kids is cool. And if you're, you can't go along with it or you don't get the joke, then you're not cool. Mm -hmm. And it's very dismissive and it can make you feel like you're supposed to be straying from your true path to follow the, follow the crowd, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so You know, sometimes those feelings of discomfort come in me when I see that I'm being called to think or do or buy something. And I have learned it's taken a while. You know, my kids, my oldest is now six and a half. So you have many years on me with experience to this, but really taking a step back and pausing and saying, man, what is it about this? And is it, do I feel attacked or talked to or talked down to personally or as a mom or as a woman or as a consumer. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of thinking. And I used to think of it as overthinking. 
But now I realize that I haven't been overthinking things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's trendy to call someone an overthinker. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I'm not overthinking, I'm reflecting. And I, I like thorough reflection because that's, that's true to me. What do you, is there an example that comes to your mind um, where you felt like that kind of caused you pause and you really thought deeply about it? Like maybe this isn't what I want to be a part of or something. Does something come to your mind as you're talking about that? Mm, Yes and no. I'm just thinking about all the memes, especially that are circulating right now when it comes to home education and homeschooling and things Mm. like that. There are some messages that really put kids down and really shame Mm -hmm. and, um, that taps, of course, into the the whole of home of origin, right? Mm, and right. putting our kids down to make ourselves feel better during this time. Um, or even the playground. I feel like social media is one big playground right now. Right. That is true. That is so true. <laughs> oh, and we're, we're being encouraged to make fun of this time or admit that it's hard. And if you're not admitting that it's hard, then you're not real. Mm-hmm. Or being asked to think like others and... And even the the culture at large stuff, the way we're viewing education and whatnot is really being called into question. Mm-hmm. And instead of pausing and reflecting about it, we're, I feel pressure to only show up with humor mm-hmm. or a list of free resources. And that's it. You're not allowed to process or talk about anything in between. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're too much or you're not funny enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder, um, the, the other thing that comes to my mind and I don't know, you know, once again, maybe I'm being too sensitive. Um, there are, have you seen the um, the videos that are joking on, because it's kind of the toilet paper thing where the kids are asked to bring their parents toilet paper and then oh the parent gosh. puts chocolate on their yeah. hand, puts chocolate yeah. on the kid's arm. Um, I, now, I have to admit, Lori Beth, I have watched a couple of those and laughed hilariously. And then, you know, the deep compassion in me feels bad for this kid mm-hmm. um, because I'm going, okay, they are young. You know, they're like under five. Will they remember this or not? I don't know. But I wonder about the filming, you know, of our kids making fun of them in those contexts um, for the sake of other adults laughing um, or us laughing. That's hard. I mean, you know, I don't want to say like, I'm a dad, I like to have fun with my kids in that way. Um, But there is a playful, you know, I'm a very playful person. But Mm -hmm. I just wonder, you know, long term, is that contributing to the not enoughness or like, you're stupid, you should have, you know, not fallen for this trick or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Gosh, I guess I'm in the sensitive category, too, because where I and exactly what you said, I started to see the humor in it. And then I thought, Oh, my gosh, these kids, some of these kids have been so upset to the point they get physically ill. And to have a visceral reaction like that to something a joke at their expense to me is, it's too much. Mm -hmm. It, It I don't think it's appropriate. And do I think it's damaging? Um, Maybe that's not the actual question I want to answer because how do we talk about this without shaming the adults who are doing it? But then it's not okay for us to shame the adults who are doing it, but yet they're shaming their children. Mm -hmm. And if you said you shouldn't do that, they would feel shamed and it's, it's a very complex sort of thing, but Mm -hmm. I do, um, I appreciate you bringing it up because I think that it starts the conversation of how do we talk about this? And, and it feels like our culture at large is saying, you're not allowed to think anything other than this is funny. Mm -hmm. 
And I kind of don't appreciate that because I, for me as a sensitive adult, um, I was sensitive as a child and I do remember things from a very young age. Hmm. I also have three very sensitive children, sensitive in a, in a term, in a way that I'm not sure sensitive can have just so many different meanings, Right, right. they're very aware. They're very intuitive and they're very sensitive on a lot of levels. And they remember stuff from a couple years ago. I have one, I swear she's going to remember every day of her life. <laughs> <laughs> and so it makes me want to be extra careful. Yeah. Um, but I do also think that people like, how is that joke really, um, on your true path? You know, how is that, how is it lifting your kids up? And in our house, we have a constant dialogue of, you know, the way we're interacting with our children, is it tearing them down at their expense to build ourselves up? Mm -hmm. Um, because that was a behavior that was modeled, um, for a lot of people of my generation of tearing kids down or being, having them be the butt of jokes, because that's just what was acceptable. And I, and like with that example that you gave, I see that still present in our lives, but we're very, very careful to work on ourselves and our own sense of confidence so that we don't have to tear down our children and make fun of them Mm -hmm. in order to feel better. But that takes a lot of work on the the back end, if you will. Right. Um, But we have had to actively say that that's something that we're going to work on and make sure that we don't don't tear our kids down. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Oh, chapter two. You got it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it is such a dance. Um, but I actually think that you do a really good job of that because um, we're trying to send out this message of encouraging moms and highlighting what needs attention and change in our culture and our, in our own lives. But then there's also the other side of that where some people could see that as us telling them that they're not enough as is. Mm -hmm. So, but that can feel really low if you don't feel like you're enough. But I feel like those low points are actually a call to change that a shift needs to happen. So there is this dance back and forth of, you know, dealing with the low parts, and but then seeing the potential for better things. But that's why I love your book and so many other people who are doing the good work, because it's actually easier to pull up your bootstraps and do the work when you have someone genuinely encouraging you. And I think that you do that so well, because as I read your book, I just felt very held mm. and supported as I faced those truths, especially in this chapter, the I am enough chapter about where my own feelings of not enoughness um, are Mm -hmm. and where they possibly come from. And then beyond that, what I can do about it. So that's the thing I love about your book in general is that you go beyond just these observations and and pointing out what holds some of us back and give plenty of easy to follow, easy to understand action points and encouragement. And then you also are, are leading by example in modeling you know, what being on your genuine path and embracing your true identity feels like. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. Well, I do feel like um, if somebody is dissatisfied in their life in some area and you're saying they're kind of feeling down or there's a low point, I just see it as an opportunity to raise their awareness of um, not me raising their awareness, but inviting them to raise their own awareness of why they're feeling dissatisfied in that area of your life, of their life. And then say, do you want to do something about it? You don't have to. Like you can live your whole life being dissatisfied in whatever way. I do think, though, that um, I, there's a quote that I use in my course that's called life dissatisfaction is the result of living an unintentional life. 
And so if you're dissatisfied, it's probably it's probably because you're not being intentional in that area of your life in order to get what you truly want. So if you're feeling dissatisfied in your relationship with your spouse, okay, I hear it. It doesn't feel good in whatever reason or way. What would it look like to become more intentional? For me, that begins by embracing your true identity as a person. Like it's not about your spouse. It starts with you. Like how do I embrace that I'm inspired, that I'm loved, that I'm I'm enough already? And then mm-hmm. how do I, coming from that place of wholeness, coming from that place of peacefulness, that's not going to happen overnight. It's a daily process. It's still part of my daily process. But as I'm embracing who I am, now how can I catch a vision for what I would want? How can I develop a mental picture of my preferable future, the thing that I want to experience in this area of my life? Well, and so I, you know, I have people, I just ask them, will you close your eyes and allow what's deep in your heart to come into your mind's eye and create a mental picture of what you would want to experience in your relationship with your partner? Well, you know, and I said, what comes to your mind? Well, I see us it's funny because I work with people, you know, maybe uh, near beaches. This would uh, apply to you as well. I, I see myself walking on a beach, you know, with my spouse. Okay, well, what does that mean? You know, what does that look like? And we unpack that mental picture. And say, okay, that's what that's just a snapshot in time. It's not the entirety of your relationship. What is it? Well, it feels like we're connected. We're holding hands. It feels like we're affirming one another. Awesome. That's your vision. Now. What does it look like to actually start to cultivate that? What are some things that you would need to do to be intentional, to mm-hmm. cultivate a life that you would really be happy with, to be satisfied with? Not that you don't have to. You don't have to do any of these things, right? You can keep living the way you're living. That's fine. But if you are dissatisfied, here are some empowering steps that you can take in order to cultivate a life that you would be more satisfied with, that would feel more meaningful, that would feel more connected to other people. Thank you. (laughs) I'm pretty satisfied with my life and I still got a lot out of your book because it took me on a very, like I said, easy to follow journey and gave me pause and reflection. Mm. So I felt like it wasn't just reading. It was a reflection time for me too, because even though it's your story and like you said, a lot of it is for you. I mean, part of the stuff I create here on elevating motherhood is answering questions that I need answered and, and, you know, curating resources that I need in my motherhood journey as well. I'm definitely not showing up being like, I know I got the answer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And I love that you highlighted that this is a daily practice. Um, and it's funny because you have the beach example you gave. This is, this is funny to me. Uh, we went to the beach <laughs> yesterday yeah, yeah, and it wasn't that picturesque walking. In fact, my husband, um, brought up an issue that he was having, mm. um, that where he felt disrespected and felt like I should, um, stop assuming about certain things. And, okay. And I felt threatened mm, in that moment okay. of like, what do you mean? Mm, <laughs> How mm-hmm. dare you <laughs> for a second? And then I thought, huh, I wonder what he's actually talking about. Because, you know, us going to go get boogie boards, who's going to go get boogie boards from the car? Okay. The boogie boards are never the issue. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's something else. So the picturesque beach thing <laughs> was kind of funny to me. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's the intention behind it. And then what he's actually asking for and being able to stop and pull back and, and feeling all of those feelings in the moment too of, you know, I'm offended. 
but I'm also curious, what is he trying to say? And remembering that even after our anniversary is Saturday, Mm. And even after all these years that we're still learning things about each other yeah, and we're still unfolding and learning and changing and that it is a process. So even if I had that vision of us walking down the beach, holding hands, wind blowing, beautiful waves crashing, some turtles in front of us, uh, there was that yesterday too. But then also the spats about who's going to go get the boogie boards. And that there's ups and downs and, and kind of normalizing that. Uh-huh. And so holding these visions and being realistic, but also really inspired. Uh-huh. Like you said, like I, it, in my particular example, I'm inspired to love deeper uh-huh. and figuring, figure out him uh-huh. and be curious about him. And what's his intention behind this too? But I can guess or I can ask him, uh-huh. what are you really talking about? Uh-huh. What is happening? Have I done something else that's brought this up in you? Uh-huh. And why? Is it triggering you and all of that? So Mm -hmm. I like that you ask so many questions in your book um, that cause us to pause Mm -hmm. and dig deeper. And I know that it's a good book because um, even though you sent me an autograph copy, which if you knew me, you know that my collection of autograph copies just, oh, it's my prize bookshelf thing. Oh, that's fine. But I wrote in your book, (laughs) I grabbed a pen and I underlined things and circled things and wrote Mm -hmm. notes in the side. And when I have zero hesitation about, quote unquote, ruining a book Mm -hmm. by writing in it or by claiming it as my own, um, I knew it was I knew it was a good book. Mm. And it's really easy to read, too, um, so much so that I finished it in one weekend without having to stay up super late to read. (laughs) Um, so, I've, you know, for moms, this is really busy mom friendly mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm trying to let go of this notion of busy and kind of call it a full life. Mm. So if you are a mom who feels like they have a really full life, um, just know that this book encourages women, moms, anybody really mm-hmm. to fill their lives w- with what really matters. And in order to do that, it, it takes that reflection time and that pause and understanding yourself, your path, your values, your intention, all of it. And you invite us to do that in such a lovely, lovely way. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, even about the length of the book, I have this, um, I have a group of primarily women in a Facebook group and I went to them with the titles and I asked them different titles and they get a, they really chose the title of this book. And then they even chose the cover, um, from a bunch of different cover options. And I asked them how long they wanted it to be because, you know, the average nonfiction kind of self-help book is 250 pages. And they Mm -hmm. said, can you please make it under 150 pages? Like it was overwhelming a request. And part of my own desire for productivity is like, well, the more I write, the better the book is. Like, it's a bigger book. I'm uh, I'm seen as better, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'll write a small book of 150 pages and feel a little less than, you know, that's the internal battle, you know, of the productivity, mm-hmm. you know, inside of me. Um, but like you said, people want to be able to finish something and it feels like, okay, I got this, you know, versus there are books that I pick up and I'm sure you are an avid reader and an incredible writer yourself, you know, after the first hundred pages, sometimes you just go, okay, I got it. You know, I don't, I don't need anymore. You know, I'm kind of done. Um, because the, the book can kind of go on and on and on with the same message. But, um, so yeah, it is short. It is designed to be, uh, accessible to people and I hope people experience it that way. So. 
Sure. And the cover is fantastic. So much so that I found my book <laughs> hidden in my girl's tent area. They, they think it's a secret hiding spot. <laughs> That's fun. And it was under there. And I said, Oh, why is my book under there? They're like, it's just so pretty. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. I love that detail behind it. And thanks for being true to you. And then also true to the people that you're serving too, in giving into that request, because I do feel like in the publishing world, there's a lot of standards that you have to meet that are just so obscure. Mm -hmm. And you could have easily stretched this book out and made it the 250 pages and mm -hmm. you could have written it in a format that is, you know, quote unquote, socially acceptable. But instead, you've provided us with something that is accessible, easy to read, easy to understand and exactly what we need. So I actually think it's more important to meet the needs of people rather than it is to fit the, mm -hmm. the standard, if you mm -hmm. will, that's thrown out. Um, I say we throw out the standard. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we um, hop off here, I'd love to hear from you how men in our life can show up and champion us. You know, what are some practical or easy applicable thoughts, words, actions, shifts that men can do or say or make that highlight what championing women looks like. But then I also want to tag on, I, I kind of feel like it's genderless um, to a certain degree. And I'm wondering just about being a champion for others in general. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, um, from a, from, I guess, a male perspective, I would say that listening is so key for me. You know, I can come with so many assumptions about people's experiences or what their, their motivations are in life. It's one of the reasons why I love doing a podcast where I get to interview so many women is obviously today I've talked a lot, um, because, you know, I'm being interviewed, but in the role reversal where I get to, um, listen so much and take so much in. And so what does it look like for you to listen? If you're, um, how you have a partner of a woman, what would it look like to listen, um, beyond just like you said, asking for the boogie boards or something, having a challenge, what's going on below that, what's going on below the surface, um, to really be curious about what's going on in her mind and in her heart. Um, there's nothing that feels better than feeling understood and known by another person to feel like they really get you. And so that is a gift that I feel like men can give women um, of just listening, um, helping make sure they're trying to understand and then being sensitive to whatever it is that um, your partner or the people around you, um, whether it's your coworkers, or whatever, what they're needing. Um, in terms of championing, you know, First of all, beyond the listing, I'm coming with the assumption that there's more than enough um, blank to go around. There's more than enough attention. There's more than enough, um, I don't even like money. There's more than enough uh, opportunities, whatever it might be. So if I um, am championing someone, that's meaning in the workplace, I'm giving credit where credit is due, right? If you have, even if men, and I, this sounds a little sexist, but oftentimes a man might have a female assistant, right? And where mm -hmm. that assistant is doing maybe the majority of the work on a project, what does it look like to give her credit for that, you know, and say, yes, I led the charge on this, but so-and-so really did the bulk of the work on this. I want to thank her, you know, whatever that might be. Part of that is giving credit. Part of that is just giving people opportunities. Obviously, my whole podcast, I've had a couple of men on there, but it's just, I'm, I'm showcasing the work of women. 
um, how do we do that? And it starts with me feeling at peace at who I am, that I'm not going to be less than if I showcase the work of someone else, right? Or if I give them credit for something, um, there's more than enough blank to go around, whatever it is. And, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it uh, I do wonder, um, Lori Beth, I've said this to my wife on, you know, some of the traction in whether it's my podcast or my work or the book, I do kind of wonder in the back of my head going, I wonder if I would have more traction if I was not speaking primarily to women, you know, is that feel awkward to people? And um, I just go, well, oh, well, that, you know, it is what it is. Um, this is what feels good to me. And so that's the same thing with championing, you know, will it kind of feel different maybe in the context that you're in? That's okay. Like do what feels right. Like do what feels good. Do what's going to be helpful to the people around you. Um, that I, I love that, you know, I love championing women. It, it's, it's a fun, it's just fun. You know, I know that fun, that word feels a little weak, you know, kind of a little uh, flimsy, but I just go, I feel good when I do it, you know, and that, that feels good to me. I actually like that you use the word fun. You said it feels a little flimsy, but it highlights the lightheartedness of it too, because um, to champion someone feels like it has to be something grand or some sort of huge gesture, but really... Um, listening. Oh my gosh. First of all, that's totally dateable. That's <laughs> what I would tell my husband. And he, that's one of his strengths too, is that he listens so well and is such a thoughtful listener that it makes me feel heard. And I feel like that's a major, major, major need mm. of people in general is to feel heard. Mm-hmm. And the curiosity part, also gold. I mean, once upon a time, someone told me that a healthy expression of love is curiosity. Hmm. And it's in asking those questions and being curious and wanting to get to know people's hearts and what their interests and, and their thoughts on things. And so, you know, being curious and asking those things is really, really important. And then, like you said, abundance mindset, really, there is enough of, you know, and fill in the blank. Right. And because that abundance mindset truly counters the feelings of not enough, because it says there is enough. Mm-hmm. And then listening from that space, living from that space, learning from that space, but also coming back to that space in a culture that tells us that there isn't enough. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Thank you. Yeah, can, yeah. And it is fun. It is light. There is a lightness to that when you're living your truth, living your walking your path, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, all of that, there is a lightness to that. It's a, there's a lightheartedness that I have once I started to align my values and my actions and my values and my goals and all of that. There is a lightness to that. It does feel good and natural and fun, like you said, to mm-hmm. celebrate others. Um, that's really awesome. Well, I know people are going to want to find your book, Empowered to Rise. Where can they get it? Yeah, it's available on Amazon, uh, Empowered to Rise by David Trotter. Um, they also, if they're interested, I do have uh, some bundles of the My Empower, My True Identity Empowerment cards. It's a small deck of cards that are kind of affirmations um, that go along with the book. And um, I'm happy to sign the book. That's available at insporising.com slash bundle. Um, and it's free shipping anywhere in the U.S. I think it's like twenty four ninety seven or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another option. And of course, the podcast is on all the platforms, all the places. 
Awesome. I'm, I'll be sure to link to all of those in the show notes. David, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your inspiration and empowering us. I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. I appreciate you. I feel like we're just getting to know each other, but man, I love your heart. I love how mm -hmm. you are uh, unique. You know, I told you when I was interviewing you on my podcast, I'm like, you're weird and I like you. <laughs> Like you're different. You know what I mean? And you, you and I, um, are so different in terms of our lives. And, mm -hmm. and that's like, I feel like I can learn so much from you, you know, from your different perspectives and your different experiences. So thank you for, uh, allowing me the opportunity to be with you today. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration, or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you. To learn more about Lori Beth, her podcast, and the Yaya Mamas community, check out the show notes by swiping up on your phone now or visiting insporising.com. And just a reminder, if you are ready to get unstuck, clarify your life's vision, and start reaching your goals, head on over to insporising.com slash call. That's insporising.com slash call to set up a free 20-minute clarity call with me. I'd love to get to know you, hear what's going on in your life, and talk about how I can help you take your life to the next level. All right, love you guys. Have a wonderful week. <laughs>